1966, the Chicago Bears drafted the son of a Pennsylvania coal miner in the fourth round. Doug Buffon would go on to play 15 seasons for the Bears and later be named one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time. His allegiance to the Bears never waned, even when he took to the microphone and witnessed some horrendous Bears team. The fact is there's not the fear put into him because this game is a lot about fear. You either do the job or you go home and go sell hamburgers at McDonald's. Doug told it like it is, and that's part of the reason his nephew John has dedicated this show to Doug. Now John Buffone is spreading Buffone branded beratements just like his uncle. Win the football game. You're the head coach. I don't care what you have your fingers in. I don't care what you're meddling in. You're the head freaking coach. We get it. You're the most important guy on the staff. You don't have to keep trying to legitimize that. And he's got pep talks too. I love this team. And I know everyone watching and listening loves this team. So while we may be pessimistic and cynical... Every one of us still has hope that the stars will align at some point. And if that ever does happen, you'll be glad you stuck around. John is telling it like it is here on Buffone 55. And joining John are Alyssa Barbieri, managing editor of USA Today's NFL Wires, including Bears Wire. And also Danny Shimon, lead game and draft analyst for the Barroom Network. Buckle up and bear down. This is Buffone 55, The John Buffone Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Buffone 55. It's a fast-paced approach at breaking down the Chicago Bears. My name is John Buffone, and with me, as always, is my trusty producer and co-host, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, it was another victory Friday. The Bears are undefeated on Thursday night football this year. Maybe they should play all their games on Thursday night, but uh, no, I, I don't mean that at all. But anyway, uh, another 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 victory, another victory uh, for the Bears. We get to be in a little bit of a good mood uh, this show. We don't get that feeling a whole lot, so we got to embrace it. How are you doing? I'm doing good. The Bears won a football game. It's a very rare feeling uh, for us on this show, and they're undefeated on Thursday night. Nothing to really brag about. But I have one question for you, John. Were you at the game? No, but as I will get to in a little bit, there was a little buffoon magic there. So let's let's not let's. There's a little something going on there. That's not. It weren't. We weren't. They weren't entirely by themselves. Okay. I was like, something had to be going on there because they won a football game and that just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a, I can't believe this happened like almost a week ago now. So it's, it's crazy. <laughs> or, or actually like 10 days ago. It feels like this happened like last month, but we're, we're, we're going to talk about it a little bit and then we're also going to uh, break down their next game before we reflect on that win that took place. Like I said, about uh, a week ago now uh, and look forward to the lions. Alyssa, can you tell our viewers how the phone 55 works? Absolutely. So we're going to begin with the classic B-55 segment. That's when I asked John five questions about the Bears, and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffone, 
his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. Then we're going to jump into the first half of the free-for-all that we call Buffon's Basement, where Danny Shimon joins John and me, and the three of us are going to break down last Thursday night's win, along with some other storylines. Then we're going to break down the Bears' upcoming opponent, and this week we're going to take a deep dive on the Detroit Lions, the frontrunners in the NFC North. We're going to wrap things up with another Buffon's Basement segment, looking ahead to Sunday's game. So, John, we had our own little mini buy this we week. Did. Are you feeling rusty? Uh, I always feel rusty, but that's never stopped me before. We might as well give it a try. Okay, then. So we're going to dive right in to our B55 segment. Again, I'm asking John five questions, and he's going to keep his responses within 55 seconds. So let's go ahead and get it started. So, John, like you said, the Bears beat the Panthers 16-13 to 13 almost a week ago. Uh, I haven't gotten your thoughts on this game yet, so let's spend the first 55 seconds doing just that. 55 seconds might seem like a lifetime with this question, or it might not be enough time. Either way, the clock is ticking. Go. Uh, I mean, you all saw the same game I did. It was not a fun game to watch. That's probably why the second quarter was just a Jason Kelsey interview with some football going on in the background. Uh, but they had to win that game for me to keep my sanity. If I would have invested three hours watching that game until 11.30 p.m. on the East Coast, and they would have lost to the Panthers, I'm not so sure I would have slept well that night. Uh, it was just not fun football, though. It looked like the Thursday JV game that gets played before varsity suits up on Friday night. Uh, but a win is a win. Uh, and can you even imagine if they would have somehow lost to the Panthers after Matt Eberflew said the staff had something up their sleeve at halftime? The jokes, the memes, the angry reactions would have written themselves. Uh, I'm still kind of chuckling about that a little bit. But as I teased earlier, I had family at that game, God bless them, which now that I'm thinking about it, a Buffon was in attendance, so maybe it's a family thing. The Buffones are undefeated this year while attending Bears games. I knew it. I knew something was up. There was a reason why they won that game. I mean, I mean, they looked really bad, so maybe we just need to get <laughs> you at every game, and then maybe they can win convincingly. As long as there's a little Buffon blood in the stadium... They're going to be, they'll be in good hands. Uh, I can't promise that we're going to be at every one of them. So it uh, might be, a, it might be tough sledding for the rest of the year, but uh, so far, I, and there, very few families can say that they're uh, three and zero while attending bears games this year. It's crazy that you, the bears needed a buffoon to help them beat the one and eight Carolina Panthers. And it looked like that because like you said, that's the game they needed to win just for my sanity. Yeah. And I mean, maybe losing that helps Matt Eberflus get out the door sooner or just like makes it, you know, just a certainty at this point. But I mean, that, that was brutal. I'm like, I'm not staying up till two 30 in the morning covering this game when they lose to the freaking Panthers of all teams. Like just no, 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 no. But like you said, it was a win. They got it. It helped their draft pick as well, which is good. True. So, I mean, Hey, it's all good. Yeah. I mean, they, you, you, you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And even if it's not the prettiest thing in the world, the, you know, they, they don't give style points in the NFL like they do in college. So uh, we'll, we'll take it, I guess. Yeah. Let's just hope that they don't put the bears on Thursday night twice again next year. Okay. So this game was ugly. We established that. Uh, and for the most part, it was inconsequential except for the future draft positioning. But were there any key takeaways from this game for bears fans to look back on? 55 seconds are on the clock. Well, 
we learned that the Panthers are really bad and there actually is a team out there that might be in worse shape than the Bears. The Panthers are one and eight. Their number one overall pick at quarterback looks shaky at best and they don't have their first round pick this year. And if you're a Bears fan, you can take a rare sigh of relief since the Bears did not draft Bryce Young. They stockpiled picks and they still have flexibility at the quarterback position for whatever decision they plan on making. Now, if you were in the CJ Stroud camp, then you still have a leg to stand on. But there were national analysts saying, that the Bears needed to trade Justin Fields last year and draft Bryce Young. And against the Bears, Bryce Young was 21 of 38 for 185 yards with zero touchdowns. I get that he doesn't have a lot of weapons, but if Bryce Young looks questionable with Frank Reich, what would he look like with the traveling circus in Chicago? So Bears fans got a real good look at what could have been. And for once, it felt like the Bears dodged a speeding bus rather than just stepping right out in front of it, which we're, we're kind of accustomed to. Yeah, that's a good point, because outside of losing to the Carolina Panthers, the only thing that would have been more embarrassing is on national television, everyone seeing that you made the wrong decision with that number one pick. So that was a game you could not let uh, Bryce Young beat you. You had to go out there. The Bears defense, do you want to give them some props? I mean, they allowed six points. I know they're playing the Panthers. But for a team that was averaging or giving up around 31 points a game or whatnot this season – to allow six points, again, 43 rushing yards, like they are a top two run defense in the NFL right now. Like there are little wins there, right? I mean, that's sure. the thing with Matt Eberflus. I would love to keep him as a defensive coach, but yeah. I just don't want him as a head coach. So I'll give him his props when he deserves them. But there there were some things to take out of that game that were positive. Uh, and not being uh, the, the team that was embarrassed, at least the most, uh, was definitely one of them. Yeah, and I I always think about like, oh, they're well, it was just the Panthers. It was just the Panthers. Well, sure, but if they would have went out there and gave up 28 points to the Panthers, there'd be hellfire and brimstone raining down. So you they did what they had to do on defense. They did their job, which is, you know, once again, something we're not accustomed to talking about. So it, it was nice to see that they, they did step up and they had a really solid game. So to your point, there there were small victories within the victory as well. Oh, man, that's just like peak uh, Bears fandom, right? We're looking for the just silver linings uh, when Always. they're not winning. <laughs> or when they are winning in this case. Even, yeah, okay. Even so, <laughs> so, John, one more draft question uh, before we move on. The Bears are currently sitting at three and seven. And after this week of games, the Bears would currently be picking at number five in addition to owning Carolina's pick, which is now slated at number one overall. So I know it's still early, but do you think the Bears will find themselves picking closer to number 10 or closer to that number one spot? You got 55 seconds. Well, first and foremost, the Carolina pick is the golden goose. That is the one that could still be number one overall. And that's probably the one that's going to be the focal point as we keep an eye on the draft order. However, there are some teams in pretty bad shape right now. In addition to Carolina, the Cardinals are pretty bad, although they just got Kyler Murray and James Conner back and they were able to uh, defeat the Falcons. But there are some other teams that are around the Bears who are aggressively trending downward. The Giants are a mess. They got Danny DeVito playing, Tommy DeVito playing quarterback. Playing quarterback, the Patriots just keep benching Mac Jones, and you wonder when that thing is going to implode. The Rams just signed Carson Wentz off the street, although Stafford is supposed to be uh, coming back. The Titans are going to roll with Will Levis for the rest of the season, and Green Bay just keeps losing too. There's a possibility that the Bear that Bears fans are going to be in a tough spot Week 18 because they travel to Green Bay, and obviously you want to beat the Packers, but that could determine the difference between maybe the sixth or the ninth pick. And there's still a lot to shake out here, but I think the Bears will be picking closer to ten. 
Yeah, you know, like, like you said, I did a lot of, you know, after this game too, just kind of looking ahead and what teams are going to be threatening uh, the Bears or in this case, I guess the Panthers for that number one pick and just the Giants, could they be any more obvious about tanking? Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. just so brutal. <laughs> but yeah, like looking at that Bears pick too, I mean, there are a lot of teams when you look at it that are right around in that same win range and the Packers are one of them you know the Bears have what one more loss than them at this point so I mean it's gonna be interesting we looked at their schedule last week and we we're trying to predict you know are there any back-to-back wins there and you know I did an article this week on Bears Wire kind of predicting or you know how many more wins are left on the schedule and I came up with uh one or two depending on it um it, it's difficult um but I do think that you know looking at how many struggling teams there are out there i i think I, I tend to agree with you at least right now uh that they'd probably be picking closer to 10 so i mean well, which is not bad two top no, 10 picks oh god no <laughs> but the, the thing is like that's why i really wish the bears took a real serious step forward this year because the the schedule is favorable you if you look at the back end they, they got it they play the cardinals they play the falcons they're gonna end up playing the browns without deshaun watson they're playing the they're playing the Vikings. Hey, and there's for our viewers you can see the schedule there they're gonna be playing uh the vikings without kirk cousins and then they got green bay week 18 who obviously green bay is trending downward so if, if the bears were in the hunt or, you know, series, I don't want to say series contenders, but contenders or, you know, the, the, the team that we thought they would be this year, that's a pretty favorable back end of the schedule to say we can make a playoff run. But uh, at this point, that's just not the case. <laughs> As you saw the starting quarterback for the New York Giants there, Danny DeVito, which, you know, the way that they're tanking, they might be running him out anyway. So it's, it's, it's hard to tell. But uh, yeah, that's but getting back to it, it's just like it's 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 uh, it's unfortunate because you look at the back end of that schedule and you're like, man, they could really make some hay there if they would have stacked some wins in the beginning part of the season, which they obviously did not. Hey, they're only four games out of first place in the NFC. Oh. I can't say it without laughing. Run the table then. Why not? Because all those other teams are doing the exact same thing where they're looking at Chicago and be like, oh, we can win that game. <laughs> so. Yeah. Pr- pretty much Carolina was saying that about us too. So, sure. I mean, it, it oh, was yeah. good. Oh, yeah. Everyone nice is. No one's, no one, the, the Bears aren't going to be favored in a – well, that's an interesting question. Will they be favored in a game the rest of the year? Atlanta? Maybe, maybe Atlanta. Well, they got Arizona at home on – was that Christmas Eve or whatever that is? maybe but kyler murray's back we'll see i mean that that's further down but i I don't know if they'll be favored in another game this year probably at least one but we'll see yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they are i mean that's just where we're at at this point but john we're gonna pivot to this week's game big news uh coming out of chicago justin fields is going to return this week after missing four games with a right thumb injury so although the bears aren't in the playoff hunt how important are these final seven games for fields and for the rest of the team 55 seconds, go. Well, it's incredibly important for both sides. Like you said, they aren't playing for a playoff berth, but Justin Fields is playing for his future, and the coaching staff presumably is coaching for their future as well. Uh, I don't think there is an ironclad decision yet about Fields or Matt Eberflus. So these last seven games can go a long way in making cases for both. For Fields, I think he's got to find that next gear quick. That thumb injury not only took away four weeks of tape for Ryan Poles to go over, it's probably also bumped up his injury risk meter or whatever whenever they're going over pros and cons uh, during the offseason. And for Eberflus, 
Louis, I have this weird feeling that Ryan Poles wants to keep him, but will also do the right thing if the writing's on the wall. At least I really hope he will. Uh, if they stumble to just four or five wins, it'll be hard to justify running it back in 2024. But if they somehow, and I'm emphasizing somehow, get to six or seven wins, all of a sudden, Eberflus says, can say, hey, we doubled our wins from last year, and year three is when we put it all together. So, yeah, there's a lot riding on the last seven games. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to rehash <laughs> the last year of the Matt Nagy Ryan Pace. Era. The lame duck <laughs> year where everyone knew what was going to happen. It was just a waste of a year. And that that's something again, you know, even looking ahead. So if they if Matt Eberflus does stay, I don't know, like it's always big picture looking ahead and Ryan Poles does decide to draft a quarterback. So then we're gonna rehash this entire oh, thing God, yeah. where it's just like the 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 rollover, right? So you're gonna fire the coach, you already have a quarterback in place, bring someone else new. So just just clean house. Get, get rid of it. I mean, but like you said, these seven games are, I mean, that's the thing we're, we're focused on Justin Fields, which yes, I think this is going to be huge uh, because in my mind, I think Ryan Poles has already made a decision. I think that he's probably leaning towards drafting a quarterback just to kind of, you know, clean slate. So I feel like the, the onus is on fields where he needs to go out there and prove him wrong. Like just go out there, ball out these last seven games and, you know, going up against the lions where you're going to have to score points to stay in this game. Mm-hmm. He has an opportunity to do that, but also Matt Eberflus, right? This is big for him. Um, which I mean, <laughs> I'm never going to root for the bears to lose, but I'm a realist looking at that schedule. I mean, and when I did it, I see maybe I see one, maybe two wins left mm-hmm. on there. And like you said, if you're a five win team and the team has looked as bad as they have, you've gone on a couple of really bad franchise worst losing streaks and it's just not a good look. So, you know, we've seen Ryan Poles go up there and, you know, talk, you know, really go out of his way to sure. to praise Eberflus, but he's done that with some other players that when he was saying, oh, I want to re-sign Roquan. Oh, yeah. we're going to re-sign David Montgomery. We want to re-sign Jalen Johnson to be determined. So, I mean, we'll True. see. He'll probably, hopefully, or he might be singing a different tune uh, come off season. That's, that's a really good point. But uh, I, I think that if Fields best, chance of coming back next year in my opinion is if Iberflus is brought back uh because I, I think that if they get rid of Iberflus that means they're getting rid of the offensive coordinator there's gonna be a new offensive system and then they may want to restart with a new quarterback rather than throwing Justin into his third offensive system in four years uh but uh, and to your point you don't want to keep doing this thing where you're you're letting the coach inherit a quarterback from the last regime and saying hey make this work and so you you might want to bring them in uh at, at the same time but if if I'm Ryan Poles I'm thinking well if if I if, if I'm going to draft a quarterback maybe this is the year to do it because how many times are you going to I mean I don't want to say how many times but how many times will you have a pick in the top three possibly where you have the number possibly the number one pick possibly the number two pick now that they, they could have it two years in a row but how many times is that going to happen where if you decide you're going to run fields back next year and you draft and you don't draft a quarterback Maybe you're picking 11 or 12 next year and there's not a quarterback in the draft you want to bring in. So maybe, but then I believe, and we'll talk to Danny Shimon about this later, his theory was draft a quarterback and bring fields back and let them kind of go back and forth to see who would be the starter there. So, I mean, there there is a lot of different ways to go about that. Uh, I just don't want the Bears to be picking in the top one, two, three anymore. So if they're going to draft a quarterback, then maybe they pull the trigger when they know they're going to have one of those picks. And if all goes to plan, they won't be picking there consistently. But uh, we'll see. There's still, there's just, a, there's a lot that has to be uh, shook out here. I'm just like wondering in history, has there ever been a team that's had the number one pick and traded it twice, like back, no. back to back years? That Good would question. be that's peak Bears. 
That's an incredible. Yeah, if, if there is, that'd be a heck of a trivia question. And I, I hopefully somebody can look that up in because I don't want to do it. But so hopefully somebody hopefully, <laughs> hopefully somebody else does. Okay, so John, we're gonna finish with this. The Bears head into Detroit this week to take on a Lions team that looks nothing like the Lions that we are used to. The passionate NFC North frontrunners have brought have bought into everything that head coach Dan Campbell has brought into this locker room at his end. It's paying dividends. I don't want to get too psychological here, John, but what do you see from the Lions that we don't see from the Bears? No clock for this one. Take your time. You know, when Dan Campbell did his introductory press conference and everyone was making fun of him for the biting kneecap stuff, I remember thinking and saying, I'd run through a wall for that guy. I wasn't sure if it was going to work, but I knew there was something that was there that would energize guys to play hard and play aggressive. And lo and behold, that's what happened. And the Lions look pretty good this year. Uh, I just don't see that with the Bears. I'm not saying that you have to be an adrenaline junkie and drink 15 coffees a day like Dan Campbell. Lovey Smith wasn't that kind of guy, but Lovey had a quiet and strong command of that locker room. And I just don't think I see that with the Bears right now. Who's inspiring them? I can only go off of what I hear and see the head coach say in interviews and press conferences. And while he seems like a perfectly pleasant guy, uh, I don't think I'd run through a wall for him. I'm not sure I'd run through a paper bag for him. Uh, listen, teams sometimes identify with their leaders and show characteristics of their leaders. I wanted Matt Eberflus to be that. When he was hired, I was hoping he would have some of those Lovey Smith qualities. And as of right now, it's not there. And I'm not sure it ever will be. That'll do it for the B55 segment. When we come back, we'll talk more Bears with the Barroom's lead analyst, Danny Shimon, and preview the division-leading Detroit Lions. The fall is where we rock here at the Barroom Network with over 15 shows scheduled from September to January. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network's YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. freaking cool anyway welcome back to buffone 55 this is our segment we call buffone's basement where we head down and we talk about anything and everything we talk about it with danny shimmon our lead analyst danny how you doing tonight i'm doing great and john i just want to thank you for the scoop i just tweeted out that the giants new starting quarterback is danny devito so thank (laughs) you for that inside information right yeah Yeah. and honestly that was that that was a slip because i just saw devito and i honestly just said danny and i kind of went where they're like yeah danny devito yeah that's that's, that's cool uh so we'll see we'll see how they roll out with uh with him for the rest of the year but uh danny i want to start with this um Alyssa and i shared our thoughts about the win over the panthers you talked about it on our post game show bear football but it's been about six days uh, as we record this, and I'm sure you've looked at the tape and gone over the game a little bit in, in a little bit more detail. Uh, did anything jump out at you regarding the performance uh, from the Chicago Bears? Actually, I couldn't watch the tape because that was one of the most worst games I've seen. That, that, that first half was was putting me to sleep, to be honest with you. I mean, it was, it was two bad football teams, and you, you you could tell. You could see there were two bad football teams going at it. Yeah. And, and I, thought, I thought, oh, my God. 
wouldn't it be, you know, like just crazy that that you know Amir Smith, a Smith Marset would help, you know, kind of sink Matt Eberflus with a punt return for a touchdown. But uh, no, anyway, in, in terms of you know getting all serious, you know, in terms of the uh, you know in terms of the overall game, obviously a win is a win. Uh, it's hard to win in the NFL. Short week, you know, so that's that's one thing you have to give credit to Matt Eberflus is, is his ability to get this team ready to go. Uh, and play, you know, uh, on short weeks, uh, like on Thursday nights. So, uh, but but the two things that really stuck out to me, and, and guys that, you know, see if you guys agree with this, but uh, Montez Sweat is making a difference up front yeah. of the defensive line. Uh, I know he didn't he didn't come in, uh, in the statue with a sack, but I think he recorded eight quarterback pressures. That's ten in two games. That's the most. Eight quarterback pressures in one game is the most the Bears uh, the Bears defensive lineman has recorded in two years, and that's Robert Quinn during his his uh, his you know record breaking uh, sack season. So that he so he's he's causing an effect. And I think it was the Justin Jones sack where where you know Sweat is drawing extra attention. Um, and and then Jones was able to beat his guy just one on one, get into the backfield and, and sack the quarterback. So that was something that really was evident. And and we said it when the trade was made, he's going to be the best defensive lineman on the on the Bears defensive you know front. And and it's it's point of holding holding court so far. The other thing was guys, I think that was probably it is probably the best game I've ever seen Kyler Gordon play as a Chicago Bear. I mean, he was all over the place talking about. Thing at uh, a pass defense, three tackles for loss. He played with physicality. His ability to come off uh, off the uh, off the edge as a blitzer from that that second level uh, really was was impressive. And I, and I just like the way Kyle Gordon played that game. And now, now if that's the Kyle Gordon the Bears get consistently week in and week out, they've got a player on on their hands. They've got a building block in that secondary. So you know those are two positives that really just stuck out to me in, in a game that really was kind of muddy and, and, and slow. And, and, oh, the other thing offensively, Deontay Foreman, uh, again, just a hard runner, uh, you know, consistently churning yards, getting, you know, getting first downs, and obviously scoring a touchdown. And the fact that this coaching staff didn't see fit to have this guy active for the first four weeks of the season just really is another kind of, you know, black mark on this on the staff, in my opinion. Yep, and uh, another big talking point, of course, for the last couple of weeks has been the quarterback position. Alyssa, the comparisons between Tyson Bajan and Justin Fields have been going on since Bajan took his first snaps against the Vikings. And on Monday, uh, Coach Eberflus talked about the differences between the two quarterbacks. Can you fill us in on what the coach said and might uh, what might have stood out to you? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that Eberflus, you know, really highlighted was the experience factor with Fields, right? Obviously, you know, he is in his third season compared with Bajan being a rookie. But, you know, with Fields in this offense, he has a better understanding. He's in his second year in the on, in the offense. He understands the, the entire scheme as a whole and the concepts a lot better uh, than Bajan, who, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job, you know, stepping in for Fields. But, you know, with, you know, Fields really has the better understanding here and then obviously there's the skill set you know that Eberflus pointed out you know which is the ability to stretch the field vertically and horizontally in the run game uh, which comes with having an athlete an athlete like fields you get to do more of those design quarterback runs rollouts boots and the like um, and something obviously that we saw with Bajan when he was in there is he really thrived in that game manager role and with that quick passing offense and I think with Fields, you know, that should give Getze a more dynamic game plan uh, with the design quarterback runs, even though Bajan was able, you know, to use his legs a little bit there. But I mean, Fields is just on another planet uh, with his athleticism and the downfield passing, you know, that's something I think that's we've really been missing with Fields as explosive plays, which I'm really expected to see that. And, you know, one of the things that I found uh, interesting that from what Eberflus was talking about was you know, obviously we, we, we were discussing this earlier with the B-55 about how important these next seven games are for Fields. And, 
Eberflus was asked about what is he looking for from Fields during that span, and the the one word that stood out: consistency. Right, and I think that's something that us as Bears fans, uh, the coaches, Fields himself, his teammates, you want to see him consistently be that star that we've seen him. It's been a lot of up and down. So he's he's going to have an opportunity to do just that uh, over these last seven games and where he's essentially, I think, you know, playing uh, to be the uh, playing for his franchise quarterback job. Right. And, and speaking of fields, Danny, when he was drafted out of Ohio state, we expected him to be kind of that experienced pocket passer delivering, you know, from the pocket that we saw at Ohio state, but arguably that's been one of the things he has struggled with. So I guess my question for you is, is he really a pocket passer? And if not, can he become one? And if he, isn't what kind of designation would you apply to fields as a quarterback and that's not disparaging i just we're trying to get a better idea of what what he could and should be moving forward yeah john coming out of ohio state you know justin was even though i labeled him as a dual threat quarterback quarterback that can that can win with his legs and his arm he was predominantly a guy that made plays in the pocket you know he used his legs to, to kind of buy some time you know and get a first down here and there but you know he wasn't a prolific you know, ball carrier, like, like we saw last year with, 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 with the ball in his hands, but you know, and he's made plays in the pocket. Now, if you're talking about a, a true, you know, pocket passer, kind of like a, a Jared Goff, like, like we'll see this, this week upcoming here, or like, you know, going back to like the old days, like Tom Brady or something like that, that guy that strictly is going to continue to make plays out of pocket. I don't think Justin is a designer built to be that type of player, but, but he can, he make plays in the pocket when he needs to, when he has to, that's where he's got to go ahead and prove to everybody else that he could do that. Now I've seen him make plays. I've seen him make throws in the pocket. We talk about, this past season with the games against Washington, games against Denver, predominantly a lot of those plays were throws were from the pocket. And he's sitting back there going through his progression. Now he went just to TJ Moore a lot, but it, it was him making throws from the pocket. So, you know, if we can just have like offense, and that's something I've, I've been kind of harping on with for like, you know, last couple of years with Getsy is build the offense to Justin's, Justin's strengths. And I'm not saying just continue rolling him out and going out the pocket, but mix and match. You use some, some in the pocket plays, you know, where he where successful at, and then you also utilize his ability to get outside the pocket and make plays with his legs as well. So you know that's what I would do. But you know, I mean, in terms of a pure pocket passer, like we've seen some of the other quarterbacks, he's not going to be that. But he's going to be a but he could be a guy that could use a combination of both. Now, Danny, I want to stay with you because as we're about to learn from Aldo Gandia, the Lions defense has faltered lately. In two of their last three games, the Lions have allowed 38 points and first to the Ravens and then to the Chargers. Both, I should say, were road games for Detroit. And even though this game is at Ford Field, given the lapses in their defense recently, I think this is a good game to probably feed fields to the Lions, so to speak. Pardon my bad pun there uh or would you prefer he make his comeback against the vikings eight days later on monday night football against minnesota you know initially when i saw this question i'm like thinking to myself well you know i don't think i want to put him out to, to to a team that's you know hungry seven i think seven and two is a record right now and they're they're very very aggressive defensive front with a very aggressive defensive corner however the following week you're playing at home versus minnesota who has got an even more aggressive defensive coordinator and, and brian flores and obviously, obviously that's the game in which um well i'm sorry uh in minnesota you're playing in minnesota and then you have that's a game that the team that justin got hurt against so you know i'll be then be five weeks he's off so i think this is a, this is an opportunity if you if you kind of ease him into action again he's missed four games so i expect to see some rust there in terms of some some communication errors issues you know with his receiver downfield however you know the, the key thing is is just 
devising a game plan where you're not not putting Justin in harm's way because what's going to happen is is this Aaron Glenn is going to go ahead and blitz him. He's going to bring pressure on him if you continue to drop back and, and just throw the ball uh, down a football field. So what I would do, even though that the Lions' strength is stopping the run up front, um, I, I would still and the Bears' strength is is running the football. So I would just go you know strength versus strength establish a run go at them can try and you know get that consistently and then try again build i say this week in and week out build your passing game off of your your run game and i think that's where you're kind of protecting but again look at you know he's 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 the wild card here you know whatever he throws up you know, god knows we'll see what happens on sunday but you know that's how i'll kind of ease him into it but to answer your question I, I think i think it's it's a the right time to bring him back uh, on the road you know, I, you know, I think that's against against a, a good defense, but not as an aggressive and and uh, as a head hunting defense like Minnesota is the week the week following on Monday night. Alyssa, before I get to uh, your response on this, I also want to bring up a question that Cliff, Cliff Victoria brought up. He said, Alyssa, can Getsy change and let his ego go? <laughs> That's a very uh, broad statement. And uh, I'm, I'm going to guess their consensus here is no, because as, we, as we've talked no. about before, so he's this guy wants to these guys. Sometimes their ego says, I need to win my way if I want to get if I want to progress in the NFL. And they're not willing to do it some other way because that doesn't reflect well on them. But uh, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, no, we talked about it, too, again, with those final seven games, not just being for Fields, but for Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze, right, to prove themselves over these last uh, couple of months. So, I mean, Luke Getze's going to do Luke Getze, right? He's going to call his mm -hmm. his game plan. He had a quarterback, Tyson Bajan, right? He's like, oh, look, see, he can go out there and operate what I want to run. And it, it, it just, I don't know, I, I can't. I can't see Getsy getting over himself. I don't know. He's so up and down, right? We like it took him a few games last year to really start to be like, oh wait, I have this amazing athlete in Justin Fields, and I could really use that uh, to this offense's uh, strengths. And and then he went right back to it. it it's it's frustrating. I don't think. Uh, I think his ego is going to get the better of him uh, to answer that question. I don't know what to expect in this game. I mean, it's good Getsy or bad Getsy. It's either. <laughs> maybe this first game coming back, maybe he's like, okay, I'll call something different, right? For, for Justin coming back. And then maybe the following week against Minnesota, it's, it's right back to where we started. So uh, I, I don't know with him. I mean, that's another reason why I believe him and Matt Eberflus will be gone at the end of the year. So. Yeah. It's, it's like he, he can, he can give you a one week and then it's just like, Oh, that just stung too much for me to do that. I got to go back to what I was doing before. And, and then it was, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of cyclical because we saw it last year too. Uh, but get, getting back effects. to the, you're no, you're 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 not wrong. Yeah, that that's very true. Uh, getting back to the conversation we're having about Fields, Alyssa, are you? What are your thoughts on uh, Justin Fields' return? Are you okay with him playing in Detroit, or would you prefer him to have one more week of rehab? No, I think that this is the right time for him to return. I think, if anything, the discussion was right last week against the Panthers, right? Because that's a game where you should win. You you should have dominated, right? If Fields is playing in that game, I think that. We can agree that the offense probably would have done a little, little bit more than with Tyson Bajan, uh, at least in the passing uh, passing game. So I think this is the perfect time for him to return. You know, he grip strength was the was the important thing. He's officially been medically cleared. You know, Fields says he's ready to go. Matt Eberflus says he's ready to go. Joquan Brisker was saying he's ready to go. So, I mean, what better time than now? And like Danny said, I mean, what are you going to wait until – the, the Vikings game next week on Monday Night Football, which again, it's the same team that he got hurt against in that. That, that 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 you know the mental the mentality aspect of that and he's got to be thinking about that so and then you have the bye week and then guess what oh wait you play the lions again 
So, I mean, you have three division games mm -hmm. coming up here. So there's never really a right time to be thrown back into. And I think for Fields, he's just ready to get back out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I'm I'm okay. Like I said last week, even if he's close to 100%, no one's 100% this time of the year in the NFL. Uh, so if he can grip the ball well and he feels comfortable and he's medically cleared, uh, get him out there. And and because the, these, like as we talked about before, the last seven games, they're not important for a playoff berth, but they're important for a, a lot of different reasons. And I'm sure he wants to be out there. The coaching staff wants him to be out there. And I'm sure the front office wants him to be out there as well. And definitely the fans as well. I am ready. Yeah. I've missed the explosive aspect of it. It's feel it's felt like an eternity since he's last played a game. And I'm just I'm excited to see what he can do out there. Okay, guys. So our favorite time uh, of the week, and that's when we're gonna do our weekly video essay on the Bears' upcoming opponent. Uh, this is Aldo Gandia's preview of the current NFC North Kingpin Detroit Lions. And Detroit showing you. They're here to stay for the rest of the year. This is a formidable team who can win the Super Bowl, Jim. By They're the way, good. don't count them out for being the one seed. And Gibbs breaks it. Touchdown, what a night for the rookie. The Lions are becoming the it team of the NFL. Their bold play has captured the media's attention and that of their opponents. This is a milestone moment for them to come in here and get this win. Not the same old Lions. Right Head coach Dan Campbell has become the face of emotional coaching. I appreciate guys that <clears throat> lay it on the line. And daring decision making. That's the call. Dots pass. Caught. Caught by Laporta for the first down. And now they're going to be able to set up and use this clock. Middle from 41 yards. The kick is good. With each victory, the team morphs more and more into Campbell's collegial. Jacking around, you're looking up at the stands. Combative. You're being disrespectful to your teammate. I'm going to lose it. All right, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, and we're going to get up. And on football. the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right, and we're going to stay. But Campbell isn't the only coach in Detroit getting attention. Offensive coordinator Ben Johnson has developed a versatile attack that scores by the ground or via the air. We're doing we're doing a lot of things really well as an offense, and I think we are getting better on a weekly basis. At running back, former Bear David Montgomery and rookie Jameer Gibbs are now the NFL's best one-two punch. Last week against the Chargers, they combined for 193 rushing yards and three touchdowns. It's time with Gibbs. They're both extremely talented. For the season, they are just shy of a thousand yards, and the team ranks fourth in rushing touchdowns. It's a beautiful thing to have two guys being able to perform at a high level, but it also brings some competition too for me and Jada to let me know, like, all right, let me step it up a little bit because you know he going crazy. And he has said the same thing back for me, so it's super, super dope to have that. When you have different skill sets and, and they're able to do different things, they excel at certain things a little bit better. I think it just gives you more, more versatility and it gives you a better chance for matchups. Ben Johnson's greatest work is in revitalizing the career of quarterback Jared Goff. That's Jared Goff. He was unwanted in Los Angeles and considered a bridge quarterback when he arrived in Detroit. Goff is no longer that. He's considered a main building block for championships. 
you know, the draft, it, it is what it is. It doesn't hurt that the Lions found another building block in the fourth round of the 2021 draft. I'm going to give every team help. Amon Ra St. Brown has 63 receptions and ranks 10th in the NFL. And there's Amon Ra St. Brown gets behind the defender in a big play to start the drive. And then there's last season's second round pick, tight end Sam Laporta. He's Ford tough and second on the team with receptions at 47. The attack is not solely fueled by the octane power of the skill players. David Montgomery behind the strength of the Lions. The offensive line. The Lions offensive line is what gives the team its Ferrari-like horsepower. They built this team though from the inside out. This offensive line is why they're never going to get pushed around. They're going to keep them in every game like the Cowboys have done for so many years. Um, this, is, this is a formidable team. I, I honestly believe they're as complete a team as we've done this year at this point. Nice job by the Ravens, set up this fourth down. There are problems though. The offense sometimes grinds to a halt in the red zone. In fact, they're 26 in red zone touchdown percentage. Fourth and goal, Goff going end zone, it is incomplete. On the other side of the street, there are problems with the defense too. In two of their last road games, they've allowed 38 points, first to the Ravens, then the Chargers. Across the middle, touchdown, it's Johnston. Of the team's 21 sacks on the season, 18 have come in three of their games. Against the Chargers, the only defensive lineman with a quarterback pressure was Aiden Hutchinson, who had three. Defensive end Aleem McNeil did have a two-sack game in week eight versus the Raiders and has four for the season. Aleem McNeil, who showed up all night. At linebacker, keep an eye on Alex Anzalone, especially when he blitzes. The secondary started strong on Sunday, but that changed when the Chargers went up-tempo in the second quarter. In three quarters, Justin Herbert burned them for four touchdowns and 280 yards. Cornerback Jerry Jacobs leads the team with three interceptions. Two of these were versus the Packers in week four. Safety Kirby Joseph does have one interception in each of the team's last two games. Kicker Riley Patterson has missed two of his 15 field goal attempts and is perfect with extra points. Punter Jack Fox was a second team All-Pro in 2021. And this year, the return units kickoff and punt have yet to have an explosive play. Most prognosticators predict that the Lions will easily beat the Bears on Sunday. And that's led to speculation that this could be a trap game for the Lions. Coach Campbell has talked to his team about that. This is a physical, tough team. Uh, they play hard, they finish. They got weapons, they got skilled players. You know, it sounds like Fields will be back. So, you know, he's a dangerous, uh, he's dangerous. He's very dangerous. Um, so I'd say they're at full force, and uh, you know this is a this is a formidable opponent. So Campbell did go on to stress to his team 
that the Chicago Bears are a different team than the one they faced last year and scored 72 points against in two games. We'll see how different they are on Sunday. For Buffon 55, I'm Aldo Gandia. Oh, <laughs> yeah okay so i i can't even unmute myself all those putting together like emmy type videos as i'm talking uh, <laughs> but uh just uh, they keep they keep getting better every week uh big thanks to aldo gandia for that preview video incredible breakdown of the detroit lions and uh as we start breaking down this game yeah just to note that uh matt Eberflus has never beaten a division rival so jesus uh, you got that. We're going to keep them, probably. Sounds like yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see. No. We'll see. Uh, so, uh, Danny, uh, I, I want to start uh, with you. Let's talk about the Lions defense first. With Fields yeah. likely starting, how does the personnel the Bears have on offense match up against that Lions defense? And let me add this layer to that. What kind of scheme would you like to see Luke Getze use against the Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn? Well, John, for what a year and a half now, I've been saying just run the football. You're a running team, Luke Getzey. Embrace it, love it. You know, uh, don't deny it. You know, you 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 do what you do best is you run the football. You have, you know, with Khalil Herbert coming back, you're going to have you know two to three talented running backs, and you have an offensive line that really is developing. With I saw Nate Davis could be back this week at right guard, so you you, you kind of put Devin Jenkins back at left guard. You put Whitehair at, at the bench, and obviously Lucas Patrick at center is probably the weak link now. You know, Braxton Jones uh, is a guy, another guy that's got to prove himself in these last final seven games. But you know, if he does what I expect him to do, or hope he does, you know, you have a you know if you have a solid foundation they're developing and, and the one thing that they talked about i think it was romo talking about for uh for cbs was you know they built this team inside out and that's what i one of the big things i've been harping about with ryan poles is he didn't seem to to do that in his first couple you know first couple of years you know this past offseason invested with the draft pick with with darnell Wright and and some with in terms of nate davis and free agency but that, that's where you start everything starts up front offense and defensive line and you know like Aldo said in that that preview you know their their defensive front is 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 one that you know, Aiden Hutchinson is, is the guy you got to watch out for. Kind of, you know, kind of like Max Crosby with with the Raiders. You know, he's a guy that that's just like an energizer bunny. He's all over the place. Uh, Aiden McNeil is, is a is a guy that's coming into his own. Uh, but you know, I think this is a team you can run it. I think you can go, even though numbers suggest you can probably throw at them at, at a better rate. I think you can run at them, and the Bears' strength is running the football. So I would just continue to, to pound that rock at them, and then build the the offensive, you know, the passing game via. Off of your play action, off of your, off of your running attack. So that's that's what I would do if I'm Luke Getzey. Um, you know, I've been, I've been here harping that for like I said a year and a half now, and and he is yet to listen. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we're gonna have. Probably I see Justin throw for 30, 30 times. You know, going back there. And, and again, Aaron Glenn. You know, they they only have the, the real premier pass rusher in, in Hutchinson. Aaron Glenn will blitz, and he'll go, he'll go aggressive. He's gone from a from a from a predominantly man team last year to a, to a predominantly zone team. He still uses man there as well, but. You saw Alec Anzalone, he's up there with three sacks, and he's a guy that comes on a blitz. You know, Campbell is the the rookie from Iowa is also a guy they use on a blitz. So, you know, he'll bring blitzes and he'll get aggressive if he has to. So, you know, just pound the rock, build your passing game off off of that that play action stuff. And let's go strength versus strength. So you're saying there's an app there's actually a possibility that Luke Getzey doesn't listen to this show? Like because that I, I, I find that hard to believe. I I feel like he's uh he's or he listens he, and he just ignores me. Yeah, That's well, that could be a possibility. 
Well, hey, we're still getting the metrics. That's all that matters. Uh, <laughs> Danny, you, you mentioned uh, Aiden Hutchinson. So, Alyssa, we all know about your love for Michigan football. And Aiden Hutchinson had 14 sacks his senior year before going to the Lions as the second overall pick in the 2022 draft. I imagine you've kept a little bit of an eye on Hutchinson. What can you tell us about his pro career and his play leading up to this game on Sunday? Yeah, I, I loved Hutch at Michigan. He was my favorite player. I just love just his energy, uh, just how he plays with passion, uh, instincts, and just grit. And, you know, he does give opposing tackles a challenge. I think that Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright are really going to have their hands full um, on Sunday here. In my opinion, I think he should have gone number one overall uh, to the Jaguars uh, instead. Then maybe we wouldn't have to face him twice a year. I mean, I, I'd be good with that. Um, but, like, when you really look at – his production uh, so far in his young NFL career. He had a rookie season where he had nine and a half sacks, which, which led all rookies. He finished second in defensive rookie of the year voting behind sauce Gardner. And the, the big thing too, when you look at Detroit's late season turnaround last season, Hutchinson was a big part of that. You know, he had five of his sacks at, at, at that, at the last 10 games, three interceptions. And, you know, this season there really hasn't been a sophomore slump. Like Danny said, I mean, he, you know, Hutchinson is the guy. He's the one that you're going to have to worry about in this game. So, you know, this season he has four and a half sacks um, and he's really shown a nose for the football as well. He has a forced fumble and a couple of fumble recoveries an interception. Um, but for what it's worth, uh, Hutchinson hasn't recorded a sack in the past four games. So, uh, that's something that could and probably will change uh, against the Bears if, uh, if their tackles can't uh, can't hold up. So, uh, but if you can contain him, kind of like the Bears were able to contain Max Crosby uh, against the Raiders, I think that they'll definitely have a chance. Let's switch over to the Lions offense now. It's become a little bit of a juggernaut in the NFL. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, is now a hot candidate for a head coaching job. Could potentially be linked to the Bears. I don't know. Uh, I, literally, I have no information on that, but some people were talking about that. But what have you seen from Ben Johnson, Danny, uh, that you like? And is there anything you don't like? Well, I'm, I'm very, very, very intrigued by this, by this as potentially a replacement for Matt Aberflus. Um, you know, with, with Ben Johnson, he's a guy that started off at, you know, 2009 as a grad assistant at, at Boston College and then went to Miami, was Miami for seven years and held multiple titles in terms of like offensive assistant, tight ends coach, receivers coach, went to Detroit, you know, got there with Matt Patricia and then was was held on by, by Dan Campbell. And then eventually went in 2001 when they fired Anthony Lynn, they got promoted him to offensive coordinator. And the one thing about Ben Johnson and, and what, what he does is, and this is, tell me if you guys have heard, heard this before, he puts players in the best position to succeed based off their skill set. You know, What's that's, that? What? I know, it's a what? crazy concept, right? But he, he's a Who highly detailed coach. You know, uh, you know he's, a, he's a good play caller. He's always thinking one step ahead. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, that likes to use tempo to, to get, you know, defensive uh, coordinators in, in bad situations, bad substitutions. Um, the one thing about him is is he, he doesn't have like, just one system that he comes from. He doesn't just come from the Mike Shanahan wide zone or the West coast. He's got, uh, you know, he, if you watch him, he's got experience under Mike March. He's got experience under Adam Gase under, you know, uh, Joe Philbin. So he's got West coast. He's got some Eric Coriel. And if you watch his, his, um, his play calling, you know, in terms of his, his running attack, he sets up the passing game off of his, 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 his run sets. So you'll, you'll see him run wide zone, inside zone gap, you know, trap power move, and he, he uses everything, utilizes everything. You see a lot of five, six, seven man protections. You know, it, the the some of the, the formations that they run for their pass concepts looks just like their their run 
run concept. So it, it, it really you know, kind of confuses everyone uh, in terms of defensive coordinators and all that stuff. And again, just the fact that he, that he takes his, his players and he puts them in the best position to succeed. I was reading an article on him and he went, he goes to the offensive lineman, for example, says, Hey, give me, give me five run plays. You guys like goes to his receivers. says, Hey, give me five passing plays. You like, and goes to his quarterbacks and, and so on. And so and he takes all that information plays that the players are comfortable with co- players, the plays that the plays players want to run. And he puts it all into, into his game plan. And he began to cause it off of that. So, you know, this is something that this is a guy that, that's really a lot of coaches, have tried to get him off that staff and onto their staff, but he just, you know, he's loyal to Dan, Dan Campbell. And, and last year he had the interview with Houston and, and the Colts, and there was an interview set up with Carolina. And the rumor was like he was a favorite to get that Carolina position, but then he ended up kind of withdrawing his name and just staying in Detroit. So, you know, he's a guy that I would love to see come in here. And if the Bears do move off of Matt Eberflus and be a guy that, you know, interview. And, and the key thing with him, though, and the one thing you asked me what I don't like, the only thing I don't like about him is he's never been a head coach. Again, you're talking about a guy first year head coach. Now, while his offensive players, you know, a rave about him in terms of his command, his detail, you know, the, the way he wants every play executed, uh, you know, uh, to perfection almost, uh, can he command a 53 man roster? Can he be that, that head coach? And the other thing I want to know is, is what is his, what is his plans as a defense for a defensive coordinator? And then in terms of quarterback, you know, you sit down with him. I would love to be in a room with them and interview him. Say, all right, what are your plans for Justin Fields? Do you have plans for Justin Fields? Do you want a different quarterback? If so, give me your quarterback. If he goes with the type of quarterback he's got now and Jared Goff, and you're looking towards a draft, a kid like Drake May from North Carolina could be a guy that he would like. A guy is 6'4", 220, 230, you know, Pretty good athlete, uh, but he's got you know the, the ability to look over a defense. Tall, can stand in the pocket. Uh, will be maybe a guy he would like, you know. So, so that that's the thing that. But Ben Johnson really does intrigue me. I mean, my first option still is Melissa. Uh, I'm sorry, Alyssa uh, Earmuffs. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is is my my guy I want here. Uh, but if you can't get Harbaugh out of Michigan, or if he goes somewhere else, uh, uh, Ben Johnson is, is is the guy I want here. I like some of those interesting candidates you're talking about there, Danny. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll leave that. You know, we'll we'll let just Alyssa think about that for a while. We won't bring that up till the end of the season, or we won't really. <laughs> That's dis- the only team I would accept it is if he uh, went to Chicago. I'm just yeah, gonna say it, that. Just say if he if he leaves Michigan and then goes like. Who, who knows? It's Vegas. The Raiders. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, I don't know. Uh, let, let's uh, let's go to this. I want both of your opinions on this, but I'll start with you, Danny. Against the Panthers, the Bears defense was on the field for nine series and allowed zero touchdowns. The Panthers, as we know, have a pretty weak offense, but Carolina came into the game averaging over 20 points in road games. So what can the Bears defense carry over to their game against the Lions? Well, the one thing I'm, I'm interested in seeing is, is I want to see if, if the – we talked about Montez Sweat earlier, bringing that that pressure. You know, he's going to go up against probably against Penel Sewell, uh, who was a pretty good, you know, young tackle for for Detroit or, or uh, uh, Decker on, on the opposite side there. So I want to see if he's able to continue getting that pressure. And then, obviously, Iberflus, you got to be uh, creative. You know, I, I talked about Kyle Gordon playing his best game last year as a Chicago Bear or last week as a Chicago Bear, you know, can you get creative with your blitzes? Are you going to be able to send more pressure at, at Jared Goff? Again, he's not a mobile quarterback. He's a pocket guy. So if you can get pressure in his face, if you get kind of collapse that pocket, he's a guy that could, you know, put the ball up. Now he did have that streak of 383 yards, 383 consecutive passes without an interception until uh, recently it was, uh, it was broken against Seattle. But, you know, he's a guy, if you get pressure in his face, you know, get him a little bit rattled, he could, you know, put the ball up and maybe, you know, your DBs can make plays on the football. So again, provide pressure, uh, you know, Montez Sweat's Eight, eight pressures last year were, were solid, a good start. But again, you know, only three sacks. So we want to go in and get, you know, Jerry Goff kind of rattled off the spot and uh, and just, you know, have him throw the ball up there and have your DBs make a play in the football. 
Alyssa, what do you think the defense can carry into this week? I think what I'm hoping that they can carry into this week is that top two run defense that they have, because right now, obviously they're allowing 76 yards per game, which is just incredible when you consider how far they've come since last season when they were giving up 130 plus, uh, which ranked like almost dead last in the league. But, you know, this Lions run game with, with Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, I mean, they're averaging 139 yards a game, which is fourth, I believe. I think they're right ahead, uh, right ahead of the Bears uh, rushing offense there. So it, it's going to be a challenge going up against that Detroit offensive line and those running backs. So that's where I'm hoping the defense can carry over, although – if they can't get the run game going, I mean, I think that Jared Goff is just going to throw all over this past event. So I would like to see that run game dominance really continue against, uh, I think, a really big test for them this week. It, it will be challenged, though. This this will be a challenging week for that run defense. We'll see how, how good they truly are uh, versus a team like this. Because, like I said, they're physical up front with the offensive line. And you got two guys, you know, with Montgomery having, having a damn good year. And, and then Jameer gives that, that rookie that's got speed, burst, electricity out of the backfield as a pass catcher and as a runner. So this will be a huge challenge for that run defense. Okay, guys. So we're going to switch gears here. I'm going to, we're going to look ahead uh, to the offseason a little bit uh, with an eye towards these final seven games. So I'm going to name about a half dozen of the 17 Bears players who are expected to be free agents at the end of the 2023 season. And then we're going to go round robin and just kind of share our opinions about that player's future with the Bears. So I want you to tell me if A, you want them to move on, B, you want to try to re sign them. Or C, you really can't decide yet. Let's see what these last seven games uh, ha have to give to us. So we're going to start with defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. So, John, are you going to, do you think the Bears should decide to move on, try to re sign him, or are you not sure yet? Uh, I would probably move on. Uh, I think that they, this was supposed to be a stopgap guy for a team that had no real pass rushers going into the season. And then you sign Montez Sweat. Uh, and I think that you're going to try to put somebody over there with a, a little more consistency uh, moving forward. Or maybe maybe somebody younger. Maybe you're going to go after somebody in the draft. Or maybe, I mean, I'm not sure what the free agent pool looks like right now. Uh, but I think that right now, his, what, they pay $10 million for him. Uh, if they gave him, they'd have to maybe give him a multi-year deal. Uh, and I'm just not, I don't think i'm in the business of giving uh Ngakwe a multi-year deal at this point danny what about you move on for all the same reasons that john just just uh explained right there i agree totally 100 with john clean sweep i'm deciding it too let's move on we saw ryan poles go out and make a move for the future going out and trading for montez sweat so i mean now you go to the draft you go ahead and and find a young guy that you can develop there but you, you have your guy montez sweat don't need to pay Yannick Ngakwe any more of that money. So now let's look ahead to defensive tackle Justin Jones, who's been having a solid season for the Bears. So, Danny, do you think that the Bears should move on, try to re-sign him, or are you not sure yet? I, I would try to re-sign him to, to a reasonable contract. I and mean, he'd be a nice veteran backup, uh, a guy that can come in as, as a third or fourth defensive lineman. I think ideally you want uh, someone there starting that could be a little bit more uh, explosive upfield, be a penetrator guy will get a little bit more help, you know, sweating outside and help collapse the pocket. So hopefully they go and upgrade there, whether it's, you know, the, 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 the second year players taking over in terms of like uh, Dexter and, and, uh, and, and Zach Pickens, you know, taking over that spot or, or you go getting a free agent or another, another guy in the, in the draft. But I would like to see him kind of back, brought back as, as a veteran leader, veteran presence, but more in a backup role uh, than, than a starter. John, what about you? Ah, uh... 
I'm unsure uh, because that you you eventually you want your young guys to step up and be starters. They already gave an extension to Andrew Billings on the line, and so I, I just don't know. Like if if you bring him back, I, you're going to sign him. You're going to say, "Hey, we're going to bring you back. We don't. You're not going to be a starter." I don't know if that's what he's going to want. Uh, and so I I think that eventually you got to see what your second and third rounders that you invested you know draft capital in can do, uh, and maybe you can, and maybe that is your depth. Uh, moving forward and you and you save some money by not signing him uh i'm leaning move on but i'm not i'm not sure yet because D- danny kind of let kind of kind of talked me into well it would be nice to have that veteran presence in there uh but i, I i'm not sure yet i was gonna say like you i was kind of leaning more with what danny was saying and like john you have you kind of rethinking a little bit but I think I would choose to go ahead and re-sign him, like Danny said, to a reasonable contract because depth uh, is definitely a, a concern, and you want to make sure that obviously you got to we we want to see what 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 they have in Dexter and Pickens. But I mean, you're going to need to have some depth at that position, and Justin Jones has been having a great year. Um, but again, it all comes down to money, uh, and also is Matt Eberflus is going to be here next year, so right. it's going to be interesting to see how the, how this all uh, envelops. Uh, so let's go ahead and look at. Offensive lineman Lucas Patrick. This should be an interesting one. John, are you opting to move on, resign, or you're not sure yet? I think I moved on last year, but uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think that they're going to address the center position, and I, I don't know what depth he really brings. He doesn't play guard well, and he, he, uh, you know, he's not. Re- He's, he's he's better at center, as Danny says, but that's not saying much. So uh, I, I I'm moving on. I don't I don't think we I don't think we need to I don't need to go into much more detail. Maybe Danny can talk me into it, but I don't think so. No, Danny, yeah, what about you? I, I moved on last year as well, John, and and I'm willing to go up there and drive him to O'Hare if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a three-peat. We're moving on. Like 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 John said, you need to go out and I mean I think right now you need a left tackle, you need a center, you address those positions of the draft, and because this offensive line they have some of the pieces and Lucas Patrick just ain't it as Danny said as he is now the weakling now that Cody Whitehair is on the bench uh so now let's take a look at tight end Robert Tunyon Danny do you think that the Bears should uh move on try to resign him or are you not sure yet I think you move on because I, I think there there is a there's a need on offense for for a a, a um a compliment to to Cole Komet and and Tanyan was supposed to be that he was supposed to be that that Y or or, or that that Joker position where you can split him on in, in, in the slot and use him as, as kind of like a big receiver but just he hasn't he, for other reason he just hasn't done it uh, this year and I think you can move on from him uh, I'm not sure in terms of free agency what's out there but I, I think definitely in the draft you know that there are some options that you're going to be able to find and bring in a, uh, bring in a young guy here to to kind of take that spot so I would say move on from Robert Tanyan. What about you, John? Yeah, I'm moving on, and I think Robert Tunyon will probably want to move on because you know seven catches this year uh, for a guy that was supposed to be like a you know a heavy red zone target was supposed to help out in the in the you know uh, being that big body down there in the in the end zone. And so uh, I, I not only do I think the Bears will move on, I think he will want want to move on because he was he was I mean coming from Green Bay, he was you know reliable. He had some really he had he showed some real flashes there, and then he came here, and whether it's not, whether it's him or they're just not using him right, and I tend to fall on the the ladder there uh is that uh, he just uh not fitting in now it depends on if there's a new offensive system and somebody says oh we need rob we need robert tunyon for this system but uh, i'm probably moving on 
I don't, I don't I think remember, like, during... Robert Tanyan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not taking this we job unless Tanyan. we keep Tanyan. <laughs> so I will take Ooh. this job, but we're keeping Tanyan. That's the deal. <laughs> He's going to go play with uh, Aaron uh, in New York next year. Oh, he might yeah. be a Jet. Oh, That's, my yeah, God. He could be a Jet. That's a yeah. good call. All, all, all Let, let's Aaron's save this tape. Yeah. Let's save it, and then we'll roll it back uh, at the beginning of our first Buffon 55 for the start of the 2024 season. you got to be right about something. <laughs> we do. Uh, no, but I'm right, I'm right there with you guys. I think we we move on. I mean, I still remember that one part of the offseason where people were concerned about Cole Komet's, uh, you know, catches, like with them bringing Tunyon in, which, I mean, he was supposed to be that red zone uh, threat, and he just it, – it's not happening. And I think you go out in the draft, you find someone to pair with Komet. Um, now – as we say, the, the two best for last. Okay, so let's start with wide receiver Darnell Mooney. So, John, are you moving on? Are you resigning him, or you're not sure yet? I'm try, I'm trying to sign him, but it's it's contingent on what the market is for him because I think that they are going to bring in a, a a wide receiver to maybe be that two opposite DJ Moore, and then that Darnell Mooney can be that. God, but I like Tyler Scott too. I'm talking myself out of it. Crap. Uh, <laughs> I was okay. I'm gonna go with I'm, I'm unsure. I'm unsure now. I, I I was I was I was in with you know try to resign and now I'm unsure because I just talked myself into they may they may draft a high. I mean if Marvin Harrison is is drafted and then you have you like Tyler Scott. Uh, do you want to spend more money on Darnell Mooney? Uh, he could be. I don't know. Uh, Danny, talk me into it because I'm right now. I'm I'm unsure. I, I like Mooney and I like his skill set, but I like him as a number three receiver in, in, in this offense. And and here's why. And he's a guy that that is very reliable in terms of hands catcher, but he's not a not a, a top tier receiver. He's not a guy you know who can physically get go over the top of, of cornerbacks. He's got a guy good speed, but he doesn't create much separation. So as a, as a number three guy, I, I would like to bring him back. I don't think he's going to break the market. Obviously, we, you know, free agency gets crazy. We, who knows what happens? But I think if you bring him back on a one-year deal, two-year deal kind of, and again, Marvin Harrison is the guy I want on this team opposite of, of, of DJ Moore. A Marvin Harrison, DJ Moore combo with a, with a Darnell Moody number three is a perfect spot for him. And then you, Tyler Scott will be a fourth, and then you go get another receiver. Just as long as it's not Bayless Jones on this roster next year, so I think those four right there with 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 a, in a combination of Cole Komet and then you know if you bring in another tight end to kind of offset him, I think now you got the makings. And of course, we have continue to build on the offensive line. You got that you got the running attack with Herbert. Hopefully, we bring back Deontay Foreman. I think now you got the makings of, of a good offense. Yeah, I was kind of leaning towards the unsure, and you know, Danny's kind of talking me into it as well. Yeah, no, like, yeah. hey, if it's you, if it's Marvin Harrison <laughs> Jr. or Darnell Mooney, oh my goodness, obviously give me Marvin Harrison Jr. every day of the week. Um, like you said, I mean, I obviously love Darnell Mooney. I think if Justin Fields is still the quarterback next year, that you could also make the argument to go out and try to re-sign him to a team-friendly deal, and maybe Mooney wants to take that to, to, to stay with Fields. You know, we'll see. The two haven't really been clicking this year, and obviously Justin's been out the last month, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of unsure, but now I'm kind of leaning towards maybe move on. And it's nothing against Darnell. He's been great uh, as a number two. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll see. And now, guys, we have the big one, cornerback Jalen Johnson. And I feel like I already know Danny, um, but are you opting to move on? Are you trying to re-sign him or you can't decide yet? Me personally, I'd re-sign him. Um, because because good cornerbacks in the NFL are, are very hard to find. But I think what's going to happen is they're going to franchise him, and then they're going to try and sign and trade him to to get some some draft capital. Maybe that second round pick they traded for Montez Sweat. I don't think I don't expect Jalen Johnson to be on this roster next year. Now I could be surprised, and I'll be puzzling puzzling surprised if he is. But I think what they're going to do is I think they're going to go ahead and, and tag him, and then sign him, and then trade him. 
about you, John. Wow, what an interesting concept. Because that, 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 that did not cross my mind that, you know, I mean, it crossed my mind that they would franchise tag him. Uh, I didn't know, I, I didn't think about the franchise tagging him in order to do like a sign and trade thing. So uh, that's interesting. I would try to resign him, uh, but there's like the, the whole thing about, when Ryan Poles came out and he was very transparent about their conversations and what, what was going on with the negotiations. But it was, it was weird about how they, they didn't have, they didn't talk about like the, what the market was or what the final, there was no like final offer or, and I, and that's, that's where I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant because I, we, I don't, I don't know what the market is and what he's asking for. So if, I mean, I would try to resign him, but if, if it's for, absurd money uh then then you got to think about it. but the bears do have do have the one thing they do have is money uh but uh to to danny's point um yeah i, I would try to re- i would try to resign him but that whole sign and trade franchise thing just got me got me thinking that's interesting i like that i, don't, I mean i don't like it but 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 i like it as a as an i as a something that the, the the that's a possibility that something the bears could do yeah, that, that is interesting because that is something I think that polls would try to do. I'm with you guys. I think they should try to resign him and kind of going back to like negotiations. You know, I think a franchise tag is more more likely than them actually signing him to a long term deal before that would come into ter- come into effect because clearly they were so far apart. Even though Ryan Poles wouldn't really talk about negotiations, but you know, what was being said is that the numbers were, or what Jalen was saying is that they were kind of really far apart. And he was wondering why is this what everyone else wants to offer, but this is what you're offering. So mm-hmm. like, I mean, maybe things will change. We'll, we'll see, but Jalen's been having a career year here in Chicago. So I think that he's definitely earned uh, a contract extension, whether that happens, we'll see. But I, I mean, now, l- like you said, I think Danny brought up an interesting point there. I mean, that would not, I would not put it past Ryan Poles to do that. He wanted a second round pick. For Jalen Johnson, that's what the the reports were out there. So we'll see if he can get something for him if if they don't want to sign him to a long-term deal. Yeah, because I think a lot of teams might be thinking that he was going to hit the market anyway, and so they wouldn't have to give up a second round pick. Now, if they franchise him, then yeah, you do have to do you do have to do something. Uh, uh, And once we've talked we talked about this uh, closer to the trade deadline, but the it can't go unnoted about the professionalism that has been going on between uh, for with Jalen Johnson. It hasn't been ugly it hasn't there you didn't see any you know any public things get put on social media about anything and so that it, 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 yeah <laughs> oh yeah I forgot. <laughs> wow that that seems like it was 10 years ago but it was like what a, right? a, year, a year uh so yeah so it, it it was nice just to kind of see that things are going about it in a in a professional way and so uh that's We'll see. Uh, that was a very interesting concept to anyone that I did not consider. Maybe I should have considered it, but I'm just, I don't do that. I'm not very smart about that stuff. So <laughs> it was, uh, so it's, it, it, that, that is a possibility. Uh, guys, I think we, we kind of hit the, we kind of hit the end of the road here. Oh man, where we were, where that was a, that was a fun little game to, to end the show on. But before we do, wrap up the show uh Alyssa, tell us what's going on over at bears wire uh, i'm sure previews are there hot seats or there what's going on over there Where yeah I'm hot article? seat i know i have my hot seat article because i've been behind because it's you know there was the short week and then i was doing it this week and then uh yeah i'm working on a hot seat article lots of preview content uh before the game uh yeah we're gonna have a lot of interesting kind of postseason 
stuff or off season stuff kind of coming up here uh at the bye week i know that's you know a couple of weeks away here but we're going to debut our first mock draft uh which should be interesting and look at me already looking ahead but as far as this week goes lots of preview content uh and lots of post game coverage and a hot seat is coming it's in the works it's in my drafts right now Oh yeah, and we're gonna be looking over that whenever it's out. So that that's something we're gonna be looking. Certain over. coach should be number one on that hot seat list. Certain oh. coach. I'm not gonna. Oh. I'm not gonna say me. Not mm-hmm. say, oh, I can't imagine with, who that is. Hmm. Uh, rhymes with the flu. <laughs> rhymes with the flu. <laughs> the flu. The, oh god. Uh, Same Danny, thing. Same thing. Danny, I assume people have been uh, coming to you about mock drafts. Who the Bears should be taking? What have you been studying lately? Yeah, I've been digging into the quarterback class a little bit more. Obviously, offensive line too. But the uh, but I've been digging in more into the to the guys not in, in the you know in the, the top top tier guys. I'm talking I'm talking about guys like Bo Nix, uh, you know Jordan Travis from Florida State. I've talked about him a couple of times here. You know Bo Nix is a guy that started off at Auburn at Auburn. Uh, you know was it up and down under Gus Malzahn? Went to Oregon. He's really kind of taken off there. And and uh, you know, just just uh, reaching out to some of my contacts, saying you know what what the early word is on him, and 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 a lot of the talk right now is is a guy that, that he has really improved his stock going to Oregon, and he's a guy that could be top of that second round, bottom of the first round, and and I, I know you guys touched on on quarterback in in terms of the uh, on, on before fifty five, and I just wanted to say real quick, like you know, there's nothing wrong with with bringing back Justin next year under hopefully a new staff and, and bringing in a quarterback and, and preferably a guy in that, that second round range or, or bottom of the first round, if you want to trip back into it and get, get one of these guys and, and have them compete, you know, come in and compete, you know, uh, even Thorin Tyson Bajan there if you want and let the best, you know, player win. You know, that's, that's where I think competition brings out the best in everyone. And I think Tyson, uh, Justin is not opposed. He's not one of those guys. And say, Oh, you, know, you can't challenge me. Get me out of here. I think if you bring someone in and com- compete against them. I think he's going to, take it to heart. And I think he's going to go out there in full board and he's going to, you know, go out there and try and win that job. So, you know, that's, that's what I would, I would think. And, and then save those top, top picks to trade down, get some more assets for, for the upcoming year. Uh, but also get Marvin Harrison jr. Or, you know, that's the guy I want, if not Keon Cole, uh, Coleman from, uh, from um, uh, FSU is the other top receiver that I'm, I'm really uh, intrigued by his, his skill set as well. So bring a big receiver. Uh, there's also, you know, if you go a little bit further down and talk about a you know, split tight end, Brock Bowers from, uh, from uh, Georgia is a guy that, you know, his measurables aren't going to be there. It's going to be like in a six, one, six, two, it's more of like a H back kind of uh, size, but man, his, his ability to be a pass catcher down the field, be a nice compliment to Cole Komet, you know, just continue to build added weapons. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, defensive line is always going to be a need here as well. So, you know, use your picks wisely add and continue to build foundation pieces here. And, and then let's, let's use that, that, that quarterback thing in that second round is, is the way I would go about it. A lot to shake out in the last seven weeks. Of course, we won't be talking about playoffs or, you know, making a postseason push. But as per usual, we'll be talking about mock drafts. We'll be talking about who the bears are going to be taking and what, uh, number in the draft they will be picking because we've been talking about that for the last, you know, five six weeks because apparently the season since week over. three <laughs> the season apparently the season was over in september so we, we gotta we gotta we gotta fill we gotta fill the time with what we got and that's all we that's really all we have to talk about but uh don't forget to join uh the barroom network directly after the show for our post game show bear football for after the game reactions we'll carry coach eberflus uh and maybe justin fields press conference and break down the key plays of the game as soon as the clock hits triple zeros make sure you tune into the barroom network put on those notifications 
notifications too. So you can watch us on uh, Twitter or X, uh, Facebook and uh, and YouTube. Make sure uh, that you tune in with us as soon, as soon as the clock hits triple zeros, we go live and we talk about the game. Just a programming note about Buffon 55. We will be on a two week break after this. So we are taking uh, next week off for the, uh, for the holiday. And then it's the bears bye week. So there's not really an opponent to break down. So we will be taking our bye week and we're taking off for the hallway. They just happened to fall back to back this year. So we will be taking two weeks off, but we'll be back for the second Detroit game. Is that the one we're coming back for? Is that, is that what we're yes. that, So we'll be, we'll be back. So we're oh, previewing, man. we're previewing Detroit. And then our next show will be previewing Detroit. So uh, you're gonna have you're gonna have some uh, double vision there. But uh, we appreciate everybody who tuned in here, whether it's your first time, your 55th time, whether it's the audio version, the podcast version, the audio version. However, you may be listening to it. If you're watching us on a Coleco Vision, and our older viewers might know what that is, <laughs> then we appreciate. Ellis, do you have any idea what a Coleco nope. Vision is? Nope. Danny, do you know? Danny, you're older than I am. It's, 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 uh, it's one of those. Uh, it's a rumor. No, who said I'm older than you? It's a rumor. Yeah, there's got a, somebody in our chat room knows what a ColecoVision is, right? It's, it's one of the original like uh, like uh, gaming system, like video game systems. Somebody help me out in the chat room and know. And tell me that you know I, what I a ColecoVision is. I know Nintendo. There's Nintendo, Atari. I Nintendo. Before Atari, I, I don't know what it is. Oh man, I'm I'm dying out here. I'm on an island by myself. I've never felt older in my That was a television. Life. Yeah. Was like, was like TV. <laughs> All right, before before I feel any worse about myself, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. But uh once again, thank you for everybody that tuned in. For Danny Shimon and Alyssa Barbieri, I'm John Buffone. We'll see you next time here on Buffone 55.